You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, Sid Talk's having her tea because it's our big tea party episode. We're having a tea party. <laughs> Where's the cake? Oh, I wish I had some. Okay. Seriously. You look, you look like Alice Cooper today. I'll just, we have I'll just um, Oreos. Say, say that. Why do you, Alice Cooper, Alice in Wonderland? No, you look like Alice, Alice Cooper. Co- is about a seventy-year-old man with black exactly. hair. You look like loads a se- of wrinkles. You look like a seventy-year-old man with black hair. And now I'm going to have to promise everyone an actual photo of me. I'll post it on my website as to what I look like right now, so Alice you can Cooper. see I do not look. So you can go to SidTalk.com after you've listened, or probably by now. Very similar. Oh yes, very. He's a he's a overweight. He's not overweight. He's very thin. That's what I'm saying. He and I, we have some differences. Anyway, Alice Cooper... Um, <laughs> Has nothing to do with Alice in Wonderland. We're looking at another Alice today. So it's after the show number 124 for Sunday, May the 23rd, 2010. We're going to be looking at the movie... This Al- is not May the 23rd. Apparently not. Did we, did that not get changed? There's not, there's not May 23rd. I'm like Ron Burgundy. I'll just read it if you write anything. <laughs> <laughs> what is he saying? Right, Go then. fuck yourself, San Diego. It's right. the thirtieth. It's the thirtieth of May. Of May. Yeah. Let's, um, let's get this. Memor- I, you know why I know that? Because I'll just this little sidebar. Earlier in the week, I went to work. You know, I got up in the afternoon, went to work, looked at the clock, looked at the date, May the twenty sixth, and I'm like, oh, it's maybe the twenty sixth. I have to call my friend Cindy. My name is Cindy as well, but I have a best friend from school. Junior high and high school. Her name is Cindy. Her birthday, her, gra- her dad always used to tell her to remember it because it was maybe the 26th, which is May the 26th. So that's why I know we're past May the 23rd. All right, so May the 30th. Excuse my Ron Burgundy tendencies. <laughs> if you write it on the autoku, I will say it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's May the 30th. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, whatever that means. Happy Memor- Memorial Day. Uh, uh, the troops yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's a happy day, but it is an honoring day. You honor the people who have offered their lives in service and to that, other people. That would actually be tomorrow. I think a, a lot today. Of, I think a lot yeah, I think a lot of people interpret that only as military service, but I think of it as everyone who actually devotes their career, their life, their job, their uh, charities it could be any it could be firemen, police officers, Charity workers, emergency workers, Red Cross people. So it's like Poppy Day in England. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You honor your... Well, it's not Veterans Day. That's in the fall. But, I mean, it's like you honor people who give themselves to a service. Now, I may be wrong, but that's why I've always thought of it. But so, in general, you honor your military people. So, yeah. It's uh, after the show number 124. Honor the military people and all the other people. Um, so we're looking at the movie Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland on Blu-ray disc. This is released on Tuesday the 1st of June, which will be this Tuesday, the day after Memorial Day. You'll be able to go and pick it up. It's a Blu-ray DVD, or in this case, Blu-ray DVD combo pack. So you get them both in one pack. Why are you looking at me like that? Because they, they should have put it out on Friday. Because no, everybody's off of school and it's off DVD of work. Tuesday. I don't care. They should have done it last Tuesday then, because everyone's off work. Everyone's off school for the weekend, having parties, hanging around at home. That's well, the- maybe that's why. They won't be watching DVDs. They'll be out having parties. Hmm. Good point. So, uh, yeah, it's out on Tuesday. It's on Blu-ray and DVD, or both, if you buy this combo pack. Um, it's from Disney, <clears throat> and you're going to tell us what it's about. 
if people don't already know, yes. Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I'm sure there are some changes. I've never read the books. Uh, but, some, um, like all of it. Oh, I don't know. Yes. I've never read it. Well, no, there's Alice, there's a rabbit, there's a Mad Hatter, there's the Queen of Hearts, there's... It, it's very different. You've it's read not it? the Alice in Wonderland... Yeah, of course I've read it. It's not the Alice in Wonderland I read. Let right. me tell you. But it's got all the main iconic things. But mm-hmm. the story's a mm-hmm. little bit different, I guess. But, um, well, then I'll tell you the story of this, because I've never read the books. Um... Alice is a young woman. She's not a young girl. She's a young woman who's about to be bequeathed or married off to some lord of a guy. And you get the you get the idea very quickly that she's very independent-minded and uh, isn't necessarily going to go along with all of these very rigid social rules that are all around her, which we I think we can identify that those British people have a lot of rules. <laughs> or they yes. did. And behavior and whatnot. And she doesn't quite want that for herself. But then she's put in a position to make a decision. Because she's like in the aristocrat kind of Yeah, deal, she's like in the snooty, snooty kind of... Yeah, and you do what you're told and you wear your corset, which she refuses and all that stuff. So we get very quickly, she's a, not a rebel, but she wants to think for herself. Which, you know, thinker. I'm going to love that. And in the process... In the beginning of the movie, uh, she happens to fall down a rabbit hole. I think that's part of the original story. We're not in Kansas anymore. If I'm not anymore. mistaken. Oh, don't start with that. <laughs> and in this fall, after this fall, she does the thing. She eats the cake. She drinks the stuff. She shrinks. She grows. She meets an incredible array of people in a world that is incredible. Fantastical. Wonderland. There's a Wonderful. red queen who is evil and horrid. And there's the white queen who's sort of floaty and wonderful and there are there's a mission basically there's a calendar of events that's laid out basically fate has already been laid out to happen a calendar that they have and she is meant to slay the Jabberwocky at some point to bring the power from the Red Queen back to the White Queen and it's like a game of chess in the book Mm. which it is they do use that metaphor Uh here but not quite as much right you know but a different, and it's, you know, I've never read the books, like I said. To me, I'm convinced that's Alice in Wonderland's world. Now I should go back and no, read the is. books. No, it is. It is. It's just, all, this is Tim Burton's version. Sure. Very much so. I mean, it's not well, somebody else a, wrote the screenplay, though. A woman wrote the screenplay. They did, so. but, you know, his, well, we'll get into this in I the I mean, movie. a woman wrote the story, so it's not his story unless in there he's decided how he wants Alice to be, but she, a woman wrote the screenplay. A different woman, not right. Tim Burton. But his um, visual, His design of the characters. But if the story is that different, then maybe you should highlight some of the differences. No, the story is different because this is about, like, either the second or the third or the fourth Alice. She's been there before. This is her teen, the teenage mm-hmm. Alice story. And it's clear that she's been there before. Because everybody kind of says, is this the real Alice? Is yeah, this yeah. the real You know, so she's been there either once before or Who knows hundreds times, of times yeah. before. So this is, you know, before Alice turns into a woman. Isn't this Through the Looking Glass and Alice in Wonderland mixed together? It's what it said on the end credits. It, is it takes the... characters from both. Right. But not story, I don't think. They combine the Red Queen and the Queen of Hearts. It's yes, they combine one. those two together. So it yes. makes me want to read the books. Now, yeah, some books people are, might say, oh, I've, I've seen the movie, I don't need to. But it makes me want to because I can't imagine from the descriptions of these things how that is in Well, there's also other movies of Alice in Wonderland. I, I, I think it was the BBC who made a movie of it. 
um, that is more literal than this. Like, if you want to see a... Right. You know, a version of the book made... Because this one is, is clearly not. And it's... Also, this one is more... I, I would say, action-packed than Alice in Wonderland actually is. You know? This... Yeah. This actually turns it into a 2010 kind of event kind of movie, doesn't it? It turns it into a big yeah. deal. Yeah, I mean, you're building up to a big deal. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's get on to the movie. We're just synopsis in there. The well, movie. we are talking about It's the movie. Tim Burton. Um, I love it. I mean, I really Alice love it. Alice in Wonderland. Um, you know how I feel about his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I disregard his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because I do like Tim Burton. But, but Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was so beloved to me. I don't think he could have made. You a were good, insulted. I don't think he could have. I was actually. I don't think he could have made a good version anyway, even in his style. Um, he could have. He could have changed a few elements. He could have changed the elements that I really hated, like that little dude. But all right, <laughs> let's push that to one side because I do like Tim Burton's work. I have since Edward Scissorhands, which was probably the first one I saw. Um, I like his. I like the Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, all those, um, and this is actually one of my favourites of all of them. Like, like I think this is... Just from the beginning, like, the way it's set up at the beginning... The beginning, I was com- I was completely I mean, hooked. The, I mean, com- I've seen people was, complain about the beginning of this movie. She was brilliant from the first minute. I yeah. mean, I really loved... Why do they complain? The, that it didn't get to the Wonderland quick enough. There was too no, much no, of no, a No, 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 you had drab- to, you Yeah, had but to, you do, yeah. otherwise you don't understand uh, yeah you have to understand not only that but like you said we're realizing this Alice has she's been there before so we're you know it is a complete parallel to growing up you're a kid and everything's fantastic. and she's literally and on the brink of not being a kid anymore right. because she's, she's about to get married right like, well maybe she's <laughs> almost 20 years old yeah so so I, I like that twist oh I love the beginning made me go like this is a real person. I'm grounded in reality, even though it's sort of a pumped-up reality of the aristocratic Victorian age, was it? Or 1860s yeah. or whatever? 18, I think that's when it was. End of the 1800s. Yeah, and so I got a, a glimpse of, through a movie pers- through a movie filter, right? Through a director and modern-day costuming and all that jazz. Maybe a hint of the repression or the kind of society that lived. And then where would a person who's writing this story's perspective come from in this repressive, closed-minded, very strict rules kind of place. This is all the stuff that's going through my mind. Why would the person... Why would Louis... Um, what's his name? Louis Carroll. Yeah, why would he write this? Except he's seeing... Just like people through all of time have seen the hypocrisy and the ridiculousness of the all the rules that we have to follow. And so he's writing this in that face of that. A lot of people say it was a drug-induced book. I think that, to be honest with you, because I'm a creative person, I I can understand completely sitting down, starting off with a character and and sort of an idea, and then all of a sudden it, like, blossoms in your mind, and it's, like, uncontrollable that you would be writing about this fantastic place, and then you imagine a giant mushroom, and it's got a purple hair growing on the bottom and you might see a cat that disappears and a worm that's enveloped in smoke and I mean your mind just goes there now someone like you and I'm not being rude but you don't see yourself as a creative type necessarily no but I appreciate creative right but you wouldn't be able to sit there and your mind wouldn't be able to just let go and and 
invent all these things. Whereas there's someone who can't. It doesn't mean you're on drugs. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm, I'm just saying. saying <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying, though. You don't have to. I don't think that... Um, what's her face? I don't think Tolkien was he a drug addict. I don't think that Harry Potter chick was a drug addict. George Lucas isn't a drug addict. These are people who have invented worlds that now are cultural icons on the planet of stories and fantastical places. They're not all on drugs all the time, but it's a mind that can let loose and just, and that's what I think of, that's what I was thinking of, this person with all that creativity shoved into that culture and he's letting it all pour out. I'm not saying he wasn't on drugs, I'm just saying. And then meeting her and what's expected of her, that to me was way better way to start the movie than to just jump right. Oh, I think it was a good Oh, excellent. And, uh, you know, even if you're not familiar with Alice in Wonderland, not read it, you know that she's going to fall down yeah. a rabbit hole <laughs> and you know that she's going to drink a potion and stuff. I mean, those yep. things are just infused in people, I think. Yep. I know all that stuff and I've never read it. Yeah, I think most people do. They've all seen the picture of the drink me. And yeah, they, yeah. You know, they've all seen that. And they've all seen the Mad Hatter, a picture of the Mad Hatter. So the second thing that dragged me into this uh, movie was the visual style which is what this movie is really all about and I think it's a fantastic representation of it I mean it's it's stamped with Tim Burton all over and it's it's CG and it's a mixture of people and CG and odd things that you can't even you don't really know what they did you're just looking at it thinking there's something weird there but I'm digging it and the performances are good <laughs> I got the overall it's all you know a real, it was like one of my favorite Tim Burton. Absolutely, it it gave me the same uh, like that as t- no. Sweeney Todd, and I have no idea why Sweeney Todd in my heart is like I I could watch it right now. I could watch it three times in a row, and I don't know why. Now I'm one just thing in my in. in my mind about Wonderland is um, Underland. Tim Burton's um, version of it, and I don't know if it was just like the movie like the budget of the movie or what I know the budget of the movie was huge but I didn't feel it was as big as I imagined like like really? I know I know it feels because there are some panning shots to like here's the castle here and here's the thing here but I, you know like middle earth for instance when you watch lord mm-hmm. of the rings you get the idea that it's absolutely humongous because they well underland it's called underland by the way to yeah. these people yeah yeah and they tease her and I didn't get the a grand feel as much as I wanted to but apart from that Mm. I liked how every area looked like because I didn't I mean I've seen many different versions of the tea party and this version of the tea party was what not what I expected because when they walked into that set and there's the old broken down windmill and it's kind of like you're in a graveyard it's kind of spooky that's awesome it's like yeah awesome it's like Edward Scissorhands um Nightmare Before Christmas. It's awesome and it's sad because here are these people trying to hold together some kind of that idea of normal um, cultured rules. We're having tea, we're having biscuits, we're having scones, everything's okay, everything's fine, we're we're going to have our tea, but everything's fucked up (laughs) because it's like everything's falling apart. And we're mental, they're all crazy, but we're having this thing that represents some kind of uh, a thread to sanity. So we have our little plates of cookies and we have our little tea. And, you know what I mean? So it's kind of an interesting thing it's about that. It's all metaphors. That, that no matter thing. how crazy they want to be or how crazy they are, they're still trying to hang on to some sort of like normal 
life, the rules that hold us kind of together, the littlest bit of it, you know, like yeah. afternoon tea. I'm trying to think. Disney, did, Disney did an Alice in Wonderland cartoon, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a, one of their movies is an Alice in Wonderland. I don't even know if I ever saw that. Maybe. I remember, I remember her falling cards. down the hole in her little blue dress. Yeah. I mean, and this is Disney also, but yeah, this is not the Alice in Wonderland you know, but I like this Alice in Wonderland. I think, would you think it'd be scary for little kids, maybe? Nah. I don't think some of it's a bit... No? I think you always think that, but you must have been a very sensitive child. I'm trying to think. My <laughs> friend who has two kids, whether... His kids are... Uh, no offense, because he's listening to this, but they sound a little extra. I'm trying to think whether I could recommend it for his kid, uh, for kids, like you know. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think his kids represent all kids. I wouldn't have been scared by this little movie kids, when I was little. Wouldn't have scared me. See, well, uh, what I really like. In fact, also... I would have been like this. Like I'm, I'm leaning forward with my eyes wide open. I would have been like <gasps> all the time. What I really like also is like the Disney logo comes up at the beginning of the movie. And then I always like that Tim Burton's under the Disney banner. Because Disney, to me, like the, like the trailer we saw at the beginning of the movie for Tinkerbell or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all very, like... Sugary sweet. Yeah, and that, that crazy commercial we saw for Blu-ray with the very sweet family all kind of sat watching the Blu-ray. And it's kind of... Makes you feel a bit sick at the end. It's That's sapping, it. yeah, yeah. And then the Disney logo comes up and then Tim Burton's... Alice in Wonderland is under this Disney banner. I, I love that, because he's, he's almost nothing, like a rebel in the but machine. But there's nothing dark about Tim Burton, really, when you think about it. He I, doesn't do anything I just nice. think that the, vi- it's, it's, the vibe of it is uh, different to what Disney would do. If Disney were to make Alice in Wonderland, for instance, now, a live-action version, it would be nothing like his version. I disagree. I think that they those executives probably had a lot to do with it. And I would say, just like with any other movie, he had things he wanted to do and they said no. And that's how it's a combination of Disney and Burton. I don't think it's a, here you go, Tim Burton. We're going to ignore your past and let you just have $200 million well, no, and do what you want. he's made films with Disney. He's been under Disney for a while. I, like, so. I know, but what I'm saying is though they wouldn't just let him have full reign. I just like that. I like the sugary sweet Disney thing and then I like... <laughs> Like, here comes Tim Burton. He's kind of like the punk. Of, Steampunk. Of, like the punk guy within Disney who, who makes, you know, different films. Because it has a really good... I like... I mean, Alice was always a girl. So she was always the star of the books, the story, the show, or whatever. And when you think about one of our recommendations as well, I like that she's not just... In this, anyway, Right? She's not just some girl who's afraid and gets to be rescued or anything like that. It's all switched around so that it's really about a person. A person who wants to find her way in the world and think for herself and finds through her own choices and the things that she's deciding are important to her a way to have her courage and her drive and all that. I like that. I Actually, think that's, that's a, a big thing. difference from the book because she's a lot younger in the book. Mm. She's like a what, seven-year-old kid. Eight-year-old. She's young. And she's frightened. Because you would be frightened in this place, sure. right? I mean, it has some scary stuff uh, for, for little kids. Um, but yeah, this it is really a switch. Like a modern... I like that they changed it, to be honest. And normally I would say to you, I don't like that they changed it. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. I know they didn't change that, but they the changed the vibe The problem with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was they didn't change it enough. It was a retelling. It was a literally scene-by-scene scene retelling, right. but with some new songs But if they'd changed that story enough so that it is a retelling, but sort of a change, you know, like, 
change enough about it so that, oh, we have this old preserved version and now we have our new, we can love them both and for different reasons. I wish but I could. In this one, it's like they're trying to make a copy of it, but modern, and it yeah. didn't It didn't come off very nicely. Didn't yeah, I didn't off. hate it, but I didn't love it. I... I didn't... I barely liked it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hate it. But this... I don't know. I guess if you're a complete loyalist to the movies and Lewis Carroll stuff, then you might think this is like I think you might an like abomination. It. I think you might actually also like it because you know that it's Tim Burton... You know kind of what he brings, and he brings that uh, to this. I think it's very naive. I think people who are loyal to a thing, to a text, particularly books, they don't care who you are. Don't mess with it. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. they'd be like, you've pissed all over. I mean, but- <laughs> the story's so old and so told, though. To tell it literally again, wouldn't you wouldn't be doing anything, would you? Right, and if I want the the story from the original, I will go get the books. Yeah, I'll In go fact, and get the I original movies or the cartoon. The books, or. and I'll read them. You know. Yeah. So I think what he did was really good, and I think that the visuals are, and and it's not in three D. It was it was a three D movie in the cinemas. It didn't lose anything in the translation. It doesn't lose anything. I mean, I've not seen it in three D, but I can tell you in two D, it looks really great. It's like. All, every single frame of the movie, there's about 500 things you should be looking at. We saw the preview of the 3D version we went to see Avatar, or I did, yeah, yeah, second, I did both times. So you could see little glimmers of the 3D, but... You don't really notice... It's not that type of movie where, when you watch the 2D version, you can see things that were obviously meant to be 3D either. Um, I Maybe once or twice. There was one where yeah. she was flapping some bugs around her. And uh, I knew, obviously, that was, but very rarely. It's um, one time Stain put his finger pointed straight out, yeah. and I figured that was. Yeah, but Stain was the only problem with the CGI. I felt his head was a little loose. You mean Chris Bungle? Yeah, I, I really mean, liked him because I it, liked him too. I loved his character. Do you know why? Because but the CGI, there were times when I'm like, did, are they not noticing that they didn't? Get his I liked head on how right? he. It was otherworldly how he moved. I and like it's that. because he yeah. was on stilts in a green leotard the whole time. But I liked it because uh, 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 all the and time. And was kind of like... Uh, all the time I kept thinking to myself, you know, I don't... Like I said to you, I don't really understand what's going on here because he's moving weird. But that's what I like because it was weird. But what is staying in the book? Is he just a soldier? Because he's like this really tall, super skinny... The... He's not yeah, he's king. not like that. He's like the Jack of Hearts, I believe. So he's supposed to be, like, flat, kind of. Yeah, he would be a playing card. Right. So he's kind of... Because in the movie, he's got super long, really super thin... like. The, and he the, has a playing card army. Right? Like, they so, couldn't use his body. You see that the Jack of Hearts in the book are the Knave of Hearts. If they're not the same thing. But he's the leader of the right. playing card army. And the playing card army... Even though it's in this movie, they don't really make a big deal out of it, and that is a big deal in the book. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I like the way they are. In oh this. yeah, they're, they look the design they're menacing, them. right? But they get knocked over real easy, which I find a really good touch. That they weren't, they were super yeah. easy to knock out. Like if you were surrounded by them, you could be outnumbered by them. But the easiest, you know, go to swipe around and then you just knock them down, which I really. But like. I like the Crispin Glover thing because at first I thought, I don't know what's going on here, but it seems weird. Like, like, did they get the CG wrong or something? Then I just thought, I think they made it like that. Just because, like, he, that character's, like, f- fucked. You don't even... You can't even grasp him. Like, what? It, he's, like, weird. He's, like... He likes pain. Evil. He's, like, kind of... I get the feeling he's, like, a 
weird sadomasochist type of dude. Yeah, because when she was smacking him, he yeah, was kind of digging it. it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when he was moving weird, I was like, I don't know. Is that a product of hit like what he you know him like because he's because he was an odd shape and size, wasn't he? He was yeah. Like how tall was he? Yeah. But I have to say, Chris McGlover makes that a good, really good character. I didn't actually recognize him immediately. Oh, I did. I because he has a patch on his eye, and he's I've not seen Chris McGlover for quite some time. And he looks quite kind of different. And I, I, I was trying to, I was like, who is that? Who is that? And I did recognize him after a while. Anyway, so let's. If there's anything else about the movie you want to say, I loved it. I did too. I um. I can highly recommend the movie. I think so. But let's go into the cast, because there's a lot to say about this movie that involves the cast, I think. So, so In fact, I think it's safe to say, you can ha- and I disagree with you completely, that the main thing is the way the movie looks. I disagree completely. I think the main thing is the cast and the story. Absolutely. See, yes, I'm, the, I, the look of I it guess is... I, I guess because I know the story so much. But you didn't know the story. But, and then I was surprised that they changed stuff. Well, as soon as I thought, oh, well, she's not a kid. What the, what the hell? Because I didn't even know that. So I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. And I'm not going to be sitting here for 90 minutes, so however long it is, going, well, I know what's happening. So all it is is a case of how it looks. So, yeah, but I do love the way it looks. I mean, I, I think... But to me, that's not the star of the show. It's no, the I people. think the star of the show, personally, in my opinion... Is Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> she's awesome. I think she's the best thing in it, but we'll go on to that in a minute. Um, so they've picked an unknown, well, relatively unknown, not anymore, actress as Alice, and she's Mia. I, I really, really butcher that name. What's that name? Mia Mazakowski. Wazakowski. Was yeah, things with yeah, and she plays Alice, and I'm glad they picked somebody that is not. A starlet that you already know, like Scarlett Johansson or somebody. Cause, well, she's a little old, Jesus. Yeah, I guess, but... <laughs> How do you think Scarlett Johansson is now? Probably she's about 25 40. or something. No, she's not. <laughs> she's in my eyes. She's almost our age. You think? Yeah. Well... Well, maybe not. 35. All right, Megan Fox. Oh, God. Nothing wrong with Megan Fox. I mean, she's about that age, right? No, she's too old. Isn't she about 25? I don't know. 50. <laughs> about 19 so anyway yeah this this actress who plays Alice she's really good um I've never seen her before have you? not that I'm aware of um from the you know she for all to, we know she'd she, be a huge Disney girl she's not I looked oh. her up she, she they had to do like some uh she has to do a lot of serious acting at the beginning actually the beginning part you know the drama yeah, yeah. part before they hit the she, I think she's really good immediately. Oh, she's awesome. awesome. And then she's asked to do so much of her stunt own stunt work. Stunt after stunt after yeah. stunt. Yeah, I think for a first, you know. I, and, the, and then you hear Johnny Depp on the extras say that they couldn't have chose anybody. Anyone better, even, yeah. You know. Um, so then Johnny Depp is the Mad Hatter. And it's the... I'll have nightmares about that. <laughs> oh, you are sensitive. The face He's is He's awesome. Like, well, they did to his face. Well... They make up him up as the Mad Hatter. And then they did this weird, like, CG thing with his eyes and made him really weird. No, they just made him a little bit bigger. That's what I'm saying. That's CG. They Just a little bigger, though. You're, on every you single it... frame of the movie that he's in, they made his eyes, like, a bit bigger. So it's like, you know, like getting the morph tool on Paint Shop and, like, mm-hmm. just making the eyes bigger. And it just freaks me out all the time. Like Plus his contact lenses are He's green. like a clown. Like, it's like... 
I hate clowns. Well, he's not. They mentioned that. I think. No, I hate that. clowns, and I don't think the white clown. face just to- yeah. and the colours totally remind me of a clown. So all the time, it's freaking me out. But then he has this like weird, like two sides to his personality, and the side that's like the the kind of aggressive side when he turns Scottish. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like I had no idea that that was going to happen. And when he did, and then he was also wearing a kilt at some points, wasn't he? I think it's pretty subtle, though. I don't think it's like, oh my god, he just turned Scottish. He's talking, and then... He goes completely turn, Scottish turns sometimes. more serious, and then his voice kind of goes into a Scottish accent, saying. and then it goes away. I didn't think it was that dramatic, to be quite honest with you. I would never... Ex- it was dramatic, because I've never heard a Mad Hatter go Scottish, is what I'm getting at. And this, this Mad Hatter's... Also, it portrays in his clothes, too, because he's half Scottish in his clothes. He's got, like, the bottom half of him is Scottish. So, I thought that was a genius thing. I don't know if Johnny Depp brought that to it. He did. He said he did in the extra. I mean, the outfit. Oh. um, Or, it was originally Maybe he got his outfit on and saw the kill thing and decided, you know. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. Because, like, the original Mad Hatter is, like, an English... Gentleman. Are you sure? Absolutely, I've read. I know, but had they described him as an English gentle- gentleman? Yeah, absolutely. They describe him as an English gentleman. He's in like a trouser suit. He's, you know, this matter is nothing like. So, mm. you know, Johnny Depp. But um, Scotland is part of the UK, so that could be an English gentleman, couldn't it? Yeah, that, but it's not like yeah. <laughs> a, a Scottish gentleman is not an English gentleman. Is what I'm saying. Like he, he's a aristocratic English gentleman, the Mad Hatter. This one isn't. In fact, yes, this one... I've never thought of that, ever. Because I've never read it, but I've never thought of him as being a gentleman. Well, have you ever seen any other movie or any other cartoon or anything? I don't think so. They're always portrayed like that. And this one is like half Scottish, half... Well, not even half Scottish, because he's not Scottish. No, no. It just It's an element of his personality that comes out. Um... And, you know, the other element of his personality is, like, a madman. strange, with a little bit of a lisp and a little bit of a... So- soft and then hard, like, his two different sides. So it's pretty good, and, it, you know, it's Johnny Depp. Um, yeah, you know, he's one of those people that you hear little hints and clues that he's kind of a pretentious twat, and fair enough, I don't know. When we get that rich and famous, who knows how it affects people. But I'm telling you, I can't fault him when it comes to doing his job. As a as a character actor, you know what I mean. Those characters, and yeah, you can. You I don't sit think there. he's great. In everything. I mean, I sit there every time, and I'm fully aware at every moment it's Johnny Depp. I never get lost in the pirate guy or in this guy. I'm always aware of it, which sometimes it's good for me. It's a good thing because his characters are outrageous, and I'm always thinking of that man doing that thing on a set multiple times. You know what I mean? I, I don't. Sometimes that takes away from a part, but for this, for me, it was like he really wanted it to be a specific, you know, character, and I really, I really liked it. Oh, um, next up, Helen. What haven't you liked of his? With some him? earlier movies, there's one particular something window or it's mm. really I didn't like it at all. Like he was a writer. Do you remember mm. that one? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember the name of it. Ninth Gate. No, that's the book one. That's not great either. No, that wasn't great either. There's been some. If you go and look, where I've been like... Uh. Was it, is it him or is it the movie? It's probably the movie because like, I like Nicolas Cage, but there are some really bad exactly, movies. Exactly, exactly. You know? But there again, with Nicolas Cage, even in the bad movies, I can kind of go... 
He's not. I very still good. like watching Nicolas Cage. But he's not good either. Sometimes. So. No, not always. You know. I say about. He's about forty good, sixty bad. Yeah. Or sixty neutral at least. Anyway, uh, next up is Helena Bonham Carter, who's um, as we know, who you're uh, in love with, I think. Tim Burns' woman. <laughs> no, Tim Burns in love with her. Um, yeah, well, I think you have a soft spot for this woman. I really like her since uh, I've seen her in many English things, but you know, Fight Club's one of my uh, standouts with her. Of course. I, 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 um, but anyway, she plays the Red Queen. I think I do think it's the best performance in the entire thing, and uh, there are some good performances in here, but. She's funny and weird and, like, real severe. And it's, and just the character itself is, like, it's so... She's so full of herself. It's like, I don't know, off and with the head. Me, and like, yeah, no. but to me, then you think, who was, who was Lewis Carroll trying to make a mockery of? And Probably the, the queen of that day. Of course. Yeah. The aristocracy, yeah. uh, the royalty people who think... And who, of course, everyone around them is just ass-licking. You know, bring me a pig to put my feet on and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Like, you know, whatever I want, I get. And Yeah, and the perception is that's how they are. And in reality, when you think about it, if you, if the President of the United States or your Prime Minister came up to you and asked you to do something or act or expected you to act a certain way and you wanted to be a part of his world, you would do it. Yeah. So she's surrounded by people who... Because her head is gigantic. She's got like this... Yeah, we forgot to mention. Yeah. She's got this like ginormous <laughs> head. CGI'd her whole head. Not just her eyes. And it's an amazing... Another oh, amazing is. effect. It isn't a good effect. That's a good one. Where really you're good. like... I know something's been done there, but I'm not 100% sure exactly what they did or how they did it, but... Oh, well, I was sure. They just I, made her head big. I wasn't sure exactly how they... It's her body and her head. No, I mean, I wasn't sure exactly how they mapped the spots onto that head to make it fit in that neck all the time, but they do explain. Yeah. Um, And the the scale is perfect for it all the time. Oh, it is. Um, But I was looking at it thinking I don't know exactly how that looks so good, because that could look bad in the wrong. Exactly. Uh, You know. And we're forgetting to mention, Alice sometimes is tiny and sometimes she's extra big, and it always looks good. Yeah, it does not like, not like Lord of the Rings where it's Exactly, is what I was thinking. I mean, jeez. It does look good, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's some problems sometimes where like, occasionally, she shrinks and then you think, well, a, she did fall out of her clothes, but like her underwear. Something still fits, fits kind of. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't fit. But there again, you can't have a naked, so. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, Helena Bottom Carter, she plays this Red Queen. It's so, it's like evil. She's like... Funny. Messed up. She she has she has this massive head, so she surrounds herself with people with other kind of like... A person with big ears, a person with big tits. The person with big tits is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're like, like super big and flat. Yeah, really weird. Um, you know, yeah. but there's a, there's a storyline in with that too. Yeah, yeah. But it's just... I mean, you only see her really in the throne room, and there's a bit at the end, but... And she interacts with Kristen Glover, and it's just weird and funny. And just, well, she, you know, she's lost her voice a lot of times because she's yelling at everybody. Yeah. And you can see her in the extras losing her voice. But it's just, I don't know. You know, uh, Stacey from EastEnders did too. Remember, she was ill after the big... Mm. live thing where she had to cry and yell a lot and then we saw her not on camera they had her wrap her yeah. throat was all wrapped and she was all bundled up because she had gotten sore throat from it but she yeah Helen of Bottom Carter you've seen some outtakes where hazard. she's completely like you're thinking how the hell can they get her back from that to do this do the stuff so yeah I love that that's my favorite as soon as she comes on the screen 
to the minute. Yeah, I mean, she's on the screen quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he seems to like to put his wife in the movies now. Are they still together? Yes. You know that for a fact? Uh-huh. Anne Hathaway is uh, the White Queen. Really good. Really good when casting. she does the mixing thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Really and then she so, spits in it. She's so right. She's like a combination mm. of, like, I don't always want to like her because I didn't love the Devil Wears Prada like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. does. But I like her. Well, that's why we saw Emily Blunt. Was she Emily in? Blunt from last week from The Wolfman. She was in Devil Wears Prada. She was a friend. The mm-hmm. what other one who worked in the office. Oh, right. I was like, what? remember last week when I was saying, we know Emily Blunt from somewhere. It's the, there you go. There's the link oh, from right. one show to the other. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I like Anne Hath. I liked her in. It wasn't. Um, what's it got Ella Enchanted? Uh huh. Ella. Yeah. That was a good movie. Very fun. good. And the other one. Um, There's another fun kind of light-hearted. I've never watched those Princess Diary mm. ones ever, but I like that one. I like. Uh, she's another one that I really liked. I didn't love Devil Wears Prada, Devil Wears Prada, but I didn't dislike her. No. And I she's like- just in this. She's got like a. She said, "You know, Tim's Burton vision is that everyone in Underland." is got a little bit of something wrong about them. Even if they're good, they're a little bit crazy. And even if they're bad, they're a little bit good. And so in her, she said she had to figure out kind of a way to be the good white queen. And yet, a Underneath, little bit kind of like... Because her sister is... She, yeah, she said, I figure we're from the same gene pool, so there's going to be something wrong with me too. And she just has a certain... And she's funny. She's What, what you get the gist of, just from movements and stuff, is... Underneath, she's also a bit mad. Yeah, exactly. But, but she, she tries to is ra- overcompensating to yes, rein it in, reining it in in yeah. a way that makes her be like all weird and floaty. So she's the complete like, opposite to the uh, Helena Bonham Carter character. But there's you see the little glimpses evidence of, that they could both be the same if they. Because when she, she like, ends oh. with the sword, she's like, we're yeah. like, she like she's the a weapon. little turned on by it, you yeah. know, like. So I thought she was really good. Yeah, I, and I didn't know she was in it. I didn't and either. when she turned up, I was like, oh, she's a good... Yeah. Uh, I, I, You know, she seems right in that gown and, you yeah. know. And, uh, so, yeah, Crispin Glover is staying. It's a really odd... He's intense always, isn't he? Yeah, and it's really odd, this, um, like you say, the movement's odd. It's like an odd... From the moment you see him on this horse, you, you just know something's a bit wacky about him. They didn't make him into a card... No. But he seems fragile. I think they didn't like make stick, him into a card. He's like a, a stick figure, kind of. Yeah, like like he's like the card without the card thing on. Like in the old... Oh, yeah. They just they just hold it... They're just wearing a card suit, right? They're just like a billboard. They're holding right. it Right. It's like he's that without the card part. Like, but not as a normal a, person. Cause no. Because he's about nine feet tall. Yeah, he's real tall. <laughs> it's just a freaky version of Crispin Glover, really. And he was good. I mean, imagine Crispin Glover, who you don't... You hear stories, he's... You know, kind of a nutbag and maybe difficult. I've, Who seen, knows? I've seen an interview with him on Tom Green because he was on Tom. He came to Tom Green's house on that live web show that Tom Green does, and he'd made this experimental movie, Crispin Glover. That was they showed a clip from it that was. I'm sure you can go and look up this movie on YouTube. But you know, it's like, avant-garde. Well, you know, like I think David Lynch. I like David Lynch, and I, I. You like the non-linear, but I don't 100 percent get what it is. Right. But I like that. Right. Well, Crispin Glover's... <laughs> Non-linear storytelling. It was all... It was... Nothing. <laughs> Avant-garde. It was just weird images and then noises and then a little bit of music and then, you know, I couldn't... It was like... Okay. And then he started to explain it. And what he was saying wasn't even... Like, because Tom Green just kept looking at the camera and going, 
Yeah, I'm, not, I'm doing it. But just, yeah. yeah, this kind of... Like, yeah, right, whatever. I understand this. Not. <laughs> but yeah, um, Crispin Glover is an interesting so guy. So you wonder, it must have taken a lot, or maybe that's just a persona that he puts on, and, he or, said, or he's a friend of Tim Burton who he can He said on Tom Green that Hollywood movies that he sometimes gets asked to do... Because he was in Char- Charlie's Angels, remember? Funds um, projects that he likes, like this yeah. weird... He, he's not really into Hollywood. He, he does it just for money. He said that on there. I mean, he maybe was for someone to give him a chance and to put him in a role in a movie that now has become one of the biggest grossing movies, right, of all time. Didn't you? Yeah, we had the, the press day? release this week. Um, Alice in Wonderland. Tim Burton is the sixth. I think he said the sixth movie to take over a billion dollars. Right, and I don't give a shit about money, but that means a lot of people have seen it. Yes. Now that means someone's. As they say, their profile goes up, right? Uh-huh. So for someone who sees themselves, or as a person is the avant-garde, fuck Hollywood type, to be in a movie like that, getting paid a lot of money, and now probably doing lots of press and uh-huh. lots of rounds of interviews, and other people going, hey, we saw Alice in the Wonderland, Crispin Glover's all right, he'd be a good bad guy in our movie, he'd be a good star in our next movie, you know what I mean? Like, for someone who's kind of obscure... yeah. But no, he he's kind of a mainstream at one point, and then, yeah. he, then he wasn't... It's like then... mainstream fringe. Is that a new term we can make up? I'm on the mainstream fringe, man. Probably. <laughs> um, but he did a good job. Yeah, and next up we've got uh, Matt Lucas's Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And now Matt Lucas, for our British listeners, will know him from... What do you call it? Extraordinary... No, not extraordinary. Ordinary gentleman. Something gentleman. League, uh... League of... League of... No. <laughs> I can never get it right. I don't know. <laughs> the League of Gentlemen. <laughs> Let's call it that. Anyway, um, oh, and you will also know him from, uh, if you ever watched Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, they did a show called Shooting Stars, which was like a quiz show, which was where Ulrika Johnson came from. He won Big Brother. And if you're American, you know none of this. Um, like, absolutely he, none of it. Matt Lucas used to play George Dawes, which was this... A man... Don't know what you're talking about. He was a man... Dressed as a baby. If you can imagine Matt Lucas dressed as a baby in like a baby grow. He's kind of a grown up baby looking guy. He was the man baby and he, he played the drums. It was kind of, it was really odd. Like, because they were like avant-garde also. But um, yeah, George, um, Matt, Matt Lucas plays Tweedledee Tweedledum. It's an interesting CG yeah. slash... Uh, well, it's his face performance. And he does every performance. And he's on stilts. But then all they do is cut his face off and put his face on it's the It's his characters. body and his face, isn't it? It's not his body. Well, why is he on stilts in the... Um... So that the eye line and stuff. Oh, so in the why, shot, yeah. they can actually take his face and... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it looked difficult what yeah, he was doing. Yeah, it did. Because he's in his big round suit and yeah. he's on stilts. Yeah, on time. stilts. Sometimes. Because yeah. sometimes Alice is really little. So they need to make him big. And Tweedledee and Tweedledum, who you'll know from the books, are kind of small guys. Mm-hmm. And why you're thinking? You're thinking. Why is small guys on stilts? Well, that's why. Because sometimes she's tiny. Eyeline so. needs to be yeah manipulated to make it. That was really well thought out. All of those, even when she's right up in the front of Johnny Depp with her hands on him and stuff. Because if you do that, that wrong, looks good. Yep. Then it's screwed. <laughs> like, like we just watched Lord of the Rings recently. It's really rubbish. It's uncomfortable. You're, you like, I like want to turn like, away, and I yeah. want to be like, okay, I'll blur my eyes right now because I don't want to be distracted by that. But then again, we are ten years past that. Talking so. of Lord of the Rings, just quickly, um, there was just some news about an hour ago. So this is hot off the press that Guillermo del Toro, who was going to be directing The Hobbit, the guy who directed Hellboy and uh, Pan's Labyrinth, has just pulled out. Mm. 
Um, he wishes them all well, but and he's been working on it for two years, but he's done. And wow. he's out. And now Peter Jackson's just come on as, and the press release saying that yes, he's left, and now it won't affect production. Will he'll still be out at the same Ooh, time? Geez. But he'll be from, on Monday. They'll be looking for a new director. And then I was thinking, and I was like, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Now's your chance. Yeah. There's your film. There's another film for you that could be. I don't think he cares. He would have done I'd it like himself. I'd like Peter to direct it, but yeah, but he would have done it if he wanted to do but, it. But um, Guillermo del Toro is still going to be involved, like because he he helped write write the story and stuff. So curious story. Yeah. So uh, that was just. Some There's a lot of politics in that world, though. Jesus, imagine you're you are him. You've made Hellboy, which I love. Hellboy. Oh, movies. it's amazing. I've loved them both. I really do. I thought I, they were I, both they're awesome. Brilliant. People will disagree. Um. But you might get yourself mucked into what would... That would be a highly political movie. Political as in, in Hollywood, you're throwing a lot of money at There's a movie... two movies also. ...that has to do with Lord of the Rings and the Peter Jackson name. And we're throwing... We're putting a lot in you. We're giving you a lot of trust. There's going to be lots of interference between you as the director. Because you can tell from the Hellboy movies, he had a lot of control. He had a lot of his own ideas and vision. And he was able to put his own... Everything and on it. Labyrinth. He has this visual right. Deal so going. say he wants to do that over here on the Hobbit, and then the studio is going, well, uh, let's not do it that way, and well, let's not do it that way. So maybe I don't know this, but I always imagine at some point a person who truly wants to do their own thing would just go look. I fine. You take your checks back, and I will just back out because you're not let. You know who knows. It actually made me excited for the Hobbit that he was involved. To be honest, because. I, I have really liked this what he's done. There's a pretty broad action look about him, though. So, But his visuals, you know, those creatures and stuff. In, you know, The creatures are good, yeah, yeah. And they're all from his mind. And Pan's Labyrinth, which we've not seen, but I've seen clips from, has creatures similar to Hellboy. Right. He's got this vibe about him that I would have liked to see, but there again, maybe they just want a straight-up vanilla... So he's been hop. filming? No, they've been... Pre-production. Pre-production for wow. two years. He's been working on it for two years in New Zealand. So if you're the director, you haven't, you don't have to step onto a set where everybody's already been listening to that guy and I Because, I mean, that's part of it, right? It's some people's I, My job. guess is they were just about to start filming and that's when he's come out of it. And who knows why, but it'll be interesting to I mean, see the outcome. The Hobbit is going to be two separate movies released 2012, 2013, I think. Like at Christmas, they're doing them. There will be no 2013. Oh, no, because that's the end of the world. <laughs> All right, so moving on to Stephen Fry plays the Cheshire Cat. How many more shows can we get in before the end of the world, do you reckon? (laughs) Let's do the calculation. Next week I'll have a calculation for you. So Stephen Fry plays the Cheshire Cat. Everybody knows Stephen Fry. He's the... uh, I don't. You do. He's the very educated British man who's into books. He's, like, big on Twitter. He's a... Why would I know that if I'm American? He's the voice of Little Big Planet. Why would I know him if I'm American? Because he's like super famous. Um, no, he's, he's super from famous. Harry Potter. He's, he's in from... Harry Potter movies, yes. Yes. A couple, not all of them. You know who he is. I know who he is. He's I'm a... saying to you, Americans will not know when you say Stephen Fry. Of course you know who he is. No, I'm not talking don't. to just Americans. You, it's not just you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you say... You're, oh, you know who that is. It's not just you lot who listens. <laughs> or you lot in the world. Yeah. Okay, Florence Henderson. You all know who she is, right? You no. knew. Ah, uh, that's the mother. Anyway, Stephen that's Fry, the mother of the Brady Bunch. Stephen Fry plays the Cheshire Cat, and the Cheshire Cat in this is awesome. He's very awesome because he can 
materialize and dematerialize. He's a little creepy. And then he has this weird, like, spinning... He starts spinning, like, going round in a circle. <sighs> and it's like what a cat does when it's on your legs. He's the freest spirit of the whole thing, and you hope that he goes to be on the side of good, because you're not 100% feel, sure. Yeah, but he's... And he's just... It's just... It's so creepy when he t- goes turning in a circle. And I when just, his head I want to turn my head all the way disembodied around. Disembodied, and his head spins yeah. around, and then his smile just goes up. I think he was made to be 3D somehow. He seems the most 3D oh, of anything. Yeah. The way, whenever he appears, I imagine he appears out of frame, you know, like... Yeah. So he's the thing that I kind of might have saw But it looked 3D. fine anyway. Yeah, he looks fine. Um, then we've got Michael Sheen as the White Rabbit. And Michael Sheen is Tony Blair in Frost Nixon. <laughs> no, not Tony no. Blair. Frost. He's Tony Blair in he the Queen. He's Tony Blair in the Queen. And he's, he's Frost, Frost in Frost, in Frost, Frost Nixon. Nixon. He's awesome. He's, yeah, he's really good. He really he? is. And he plays the um, rabbit and the rabbit's... Which one? He's the white rabbit. Uh-huh. He's all right, but like we said, he doesn't have a distinctive voice that no, you think of. But if you He's think about British the white voice. rabbit, it's a good voice. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then you've got Alan Rickman. Now, I'm going to say first, that white rabbit looked awesome. Yeah. Uh, Every single it, time it really he did. talked and he was nervous and he... he not the hair. With We're the, talking about the rabbit. There's a crazy hair person and then there's the mad... Uh, the, the rabbit with the watch. And he looked, I mean, it looked awesome when he was jumping, because we have rabbits in our yard, and I was thinking that somebody, as as Disney does it so well with the animals, I thought that, I mean, it looks a little bit cartoony CGI-ish, but he looked but gorgeous, also, and he fit in always. I mean, when he's awesome. in our world. He was a real-looking-ish. Yeah. Well, he looked good, though. Yeah, he did. Um, and then Alan Rickman plays the uh, blue caterpillar, which um, is kind of like the... He's absolute, you can totally tell he's Alan Rickman. Absolutely, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Blue Caterpillar, apparently, in the official... Uh, it's a really clever character, because his name is Absalom, and they say he's absolute. He will tell you who you are. Yeah. But then when you get there, he's the most obscure. He doesn't tell you anything. And in fact, he's a caterpillar. So he's we know smoking a pipe. He's not absolute. He will not stay a caterpillar. So that's a really... Cl- to me... That's a really interesting character. And then one for all the EastEnders fans, Barbara Windsor plays the Dormouse. Yes. Uh-huh. And I said to you immediately, that's Peggy. I didn't know it. Until uh, you I said it. she spoke. Like, I mean, and then when she speaks, it's like you're watching EastEnders. And it was perfect. It was really fun because yeah. you're like, you know, we wa- I watch EastEnders. So Again, Windsor's- if you're American, EastEnders is a British soap opera that's on every day. And Barbara Windsor is, plays a big part in that. Yeah. She's the landlady of the pub. Um, I love that she was in a movie that huge, that there are people paying attention to her for that. She's, she's pretty old. She's a grandmother. Maybe, Great grandmother. Maybe more than, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. More than once. Uh, Paul Whitehouse plays the March Hare. He's from The Fast Show. I'm a big fan of Paul Whitehouse. I didn't really understand anything he said because he was crazy. Yeah. He just mumbled all the time. And he was real... Oh, he looked awesome, too. He was so nervous and, like, his hair was all kind of, like, throws clumped. things at everybody. His hair was, like, all clumpy. Like, he had a really bad nervous condition. Yeah. And he's just, like, <gasps> all the time. And he's been, and then at one point, everything's all chaos. And he takes a little knife and, like, straightens it on the table. And he picks up... I mean, he was so... And he throws something. Yeah, he's throwing everything. Cups like, she says, hand me this scone. And he, like, throws <laughs> the scones at her. But the voice, unfortunately, gets lost in there because he's just totally I didn't know talking. it was him. If I watch it again, which I'm sure I will, then I'll be able to focus more on that stuff. Because in, in his scenes, I mean, it's chaos. He's, he's rushing around everywhere and he's nervous, nervous. But... One thing I kept thinking was... You just minimized it. I hear all these, um... All these, like, different... <laughs> actors' voices coming out of all these things. I, one thing I kept thinking was, they've. This is a, these are a lot of British people I know from TV, but I'm not sure who they are. Right. 
And at the end, when I looked him up, I was like, oh yeah, of course I know all these people. Last but not least, Timothy Spall as Bayard. Which one's Bayard again? Dog. Timothy Spall, who is Alfie the same pet, Barry. The kind of oh right, the, the round back. cheeks. They're yeah. from uh, Pirates, not Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, you know who he is, though. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, he was in Last of the Samurai. I don't know why that one pops into my mind. He was in he the is. Last of yeah, the Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. He was I think fan. he's in a Harry Potter movie. A couple of you know them. Who he is. He's kind of uh, yeah, yeah. Overweight guy. He's yeah. kind of like sleazy looking. He's got round, really round cheeks. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So he plays the dog. that dog looked awesome too. Yeah. There is really some good did. CG work in this movie. Super good. Even yeah. that creature that's non-realistic, he so, looked good too. So directed by Tim Burton, and go through some of his movies if you don't know. Edward Scissorhands, Sweeney Todd, Corpse Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Big Fish, Planet of the Apes. <gasps> Big Fish was so good. Sleepy Hollow, Mars Attacks, Batman Begins, Beetlejuice. You know what? I never thought... I never watched Sleepy Hollow because I didn't think I'd like it. No, I remember it. one night I watched it. No, we watched we it watched on it. HD DVD. It was really good. When it first came out. I liked it. I, I think it's really good also. It's Christopher, crazy Christopher Walken. I think we might be Timothy Burton fans. Timothy Burton, is that? <laughs> that could be his friend to call him. Um, well, that's his name. So yeah, he has a distinct style. Obviously, if, you, if you've seen any of his stuff, and you will have seen some of his stuff, like it or not probably. Not um, before Christmas. Come on. Yeah, I mean, even if you saw Planet of the Apes. The new one. Which a lot of people hated, but I, his, I didn't hate it. He did bring his vibe to I it. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't... It's I not, didn't. I didn't think it had a Tim Burton vibe at all. I did a little bit. I felt like it was a studio ramrodding It wasn't Tim a very Burton. good movie. It wasn't great because it wasn't Tim Burton being able to be Tim Burton. It in also my wasn't in the spirit of the other eight movies, really. I mean, it was a bit too... I think if you'd watch the original again, there's not... The original's awesome. It is awesome. I, I love it. Yeah. But I'm saying, um, it'd be super hard to recapture that in today's modern movie-goer yeah, society. Because watching... that is a formula nowadays that you have to kind of seem to... Kind of, but that was a, it was slow and methodical, and there were scenes... I mean, if you think back at the opening of the original Eight Man and stuff, but I'd say that movie does not represent Tim Burton to me. Hmm. <laughs> What, right. what about it? Is Tim Burtonish? There's no weirdness. The, there's no darkness. The armor of the apes is absolutely Tim Burton. Yeah, but that's it. That doesn't do anything. The planet itself. I disagree. Well, I will agree to disagree. Um, so the Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm not agreeing to disagree. Now, what are you going to do? The Blu-ray. Well, I'm just moving <laughs> on. The Blu-ray of um, Alice in Wonderland. I'm looking. I think this cover is actually awesome. I mean, I, I, I don't generally that. like covers, I would but this is that. a nice poster. Yeah, I would have that as a poster. It's a really... I'm showing it to Sid so you can't see, but it's like an <laughs> embossed slipcase. But it's um, it's really colourful and it absolutely sums up the movie. Yep. I mean, it's not just like, let's throw all the characters on the box. It's pretty fun. It's um, it's actually an artist's rendering as well. It's not just the things themselves. Yes, it is. From it is. the movie. And it's uh, an embossed slipcase over a normal Blu-ray cover. This is the... Um, Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, three-disc combo pack. You can also get it on a plain DVD or just a plain Blu-ray. But this one's all of them in the box. Um, now, disc one features the Blu-ray and the bonus features. 
And the bonus features, there's not a ton. There's no commentary. It's enough, though. It's just right for me. There's, um... We watched them all. All the way through. Yeah, there's one section called Wonderland Characters, which breaks down each of the characters with behind-the-scenes documentary style. Runs at about 30 minutes total. And then there's a second section called Making Wonderland, which goes from the score, the special effects, the stunts. Uh, and then, like, the cakes, making the cakes. It shows the ladies who make the cakes. And the tea party... And that breaks down into these little sections, and that's about 30 minutes. So an hour of extras. And it was just enough. Because, you know, these days... In fact, just seeing the sets behind the scenes where there's so much green everywhere, and you see the actors kind of struggling with the stilts and the the jumpsuits and the harnesses, it doesn't take long. You can watch that for about two minutes and listen to them talk about it and see them in action, and you get it. Like, that's a crazy way to make a movie that, in the end, looks... Yeah. Completely different than that. And you do get a more respect for when you're that actor, actress in that moment, and you are, everyone can say, oh, I could act if they're going to pay me $20 million. Well, guess what? I don't bet you could. No. I don't think every, I think a lot of people could, but not just anybody. And then I start watching and I think of all those people on that set. Somebody had to paint all that green. Someone had to build all the green stuff. Someone has to make sure that when the people are on their stilts that they're safe. You know what I mean? There's a lot of shit going on there. And it doesn't take long in an extra like this to instantly get the picture. So I didn't really need any more than... We got to see Helen Bonham Carter. And did you go through every single thing you could think of? We saw a time-lapse thing of her getting her makeup on. They show you how they do the scale of her when she... Of Alice when she's shrinking. And and then the the cake thing I thought was interesting. And then the tea party. Johnny Depp's eyes and the size of the So every single thing that I thought in the movie, I wonder how they did that, I wonder how they did that. They did cover. So I guess that is good. Yeah. There isn't a commentary. um, There isn't a picture-in-picture or anything like that. But... I didn't feel the like hours I worth that. of stuff is all good stuff. I think so. There's nothing that's boring. Even the score part, which is Danny Elfman's score, which I have to mention Danny Elfman's score, is actually really amazing. You loved it. Make, it. Yeah, I, I pay attention nowadays to score on, on um, movies. You know, and Danny Elfman is one of the leading guys who mm-hmm. scores stuff. And I, I think I'm becoming a fan of him. Like It was really funny. You know, there's a family guy where there's like... Uh, like a score kind of sounding music and they're off to the side and then they walk over kind of like a send up for Blazing Saddles you know where you hear the, when yeah, the music yeah. and then, and then the, the band's actually in the town. desert well, it kind of happens like that but then so and it's um the uh, Star Wars guy and his orchestra what's his name? John Williams him and, and it's a little drawing of him and his orchestra and then they get blown up or something and then you hear Stewie say I think it's Stewie says oh crap now we're going to have to get Danny Elfman because there's only two guys. <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's, that's really funny. Yeah, If you like Family Guy. So, but it is, yeah, a really nice score. Um, just from really? the opening, it's got this, like, I said, it feels like Batman. Like the new Dark Knight. Because like the score to that. the hero. Yeah, it feels like that score. The, like, swelling orchestral. And then this one's even got um, vocals, like uh, choir vocals, which it sounds really good. Alice? Um, so... The DVD also, there's a DVD in the box of the movie, which features just three of those little extras, because that's what you get on the DVD nowadays, all the extras are usually reserved for the Blu-ray. Um, Are they different? No, it's just, it's the Mad Hatter finding Alice and affecting Wonderland, it's just three of those little segments, so if you buy the DVD version, you only get a little portion of the extras, Um, and then there's a third disc, which is the digital copy of the film, for your iPod, etc., so yeah, it's a good Blu-ray. 
Um, really good picture. Really good sound. Sound was actually amazing in some parts. Um, lots of surround stuff going on, especially with the Jabberwocky. Yeah. Oh, the Jabberwocky was awesome. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. He was awesome looking. Awesome. And I love that he had a voice. Of course, yeah. it was the ultimate bad guy, right? Yep. He was good, though. Christopher Lee. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about Christopher Lee. He was only on there for about one minute, yeah, but still. Was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, it's highly recommended. for. I think all the family, anybody would be interested in this story or like the, get something from this story. If it's not just the story, the visuals, I think it's a... I love a movie. And I'm not just saying this because I'm like a woman. But a genuine female lead hero like kind of. Like the fifth of. element. No. Because she's constructed to be a, the hero of the day. I mean, she's literally made to be the perfect... <laughs> she is the fifth element and all that. Don't get me started on that movie. But, um, I mean, this is a girl who has to, you know, develop into it. And, and knows she's... It. And not like, dun-da-da-da, nothing like that. It's always like... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but I find it really satisfying. So, uh, in conclusion, we both like this movie. Loved I would it. highly I recommend it. it. Highly recommend the Blu-ray because I do believe the, those extras are pretty good. If you're into this movie, mm-hmm. I just would have liked to comment. Any movie that makes me want to read a book? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, come on. And then, uh, and thanks to Disney for sending us the uh, for review um, contest. You can see the site for details. If you're a Halo fan, like I said last last week, go and win yourself. Uh, Red versus Blue Seasons 1 to 5 on DVD. We've got those up for grabs. Next week's movie review, DVD, uh, Blu-ray review even, will be Invictus, Morgan Freeman, Matt Damon. Um, looking forward to that because it looks kind of intense. No British people? Possibly. <laughs> Matt Damon, he's British. He's not. <laughs> there you go. So movie rem- movie He's rec- going to be South African. but Correct. Movie recommendations for this week. I'm going to recommend... A, it's a classic for me, and it's fairly new, and it's Matthew Vaughn's Stardust. It's good. Which, I believe, is if you like, it was probably overlooked by a lot of people, but it's actually a classic in its own little genre. Like, it's like a, it fits with this. I agree. It's really good. Like an adventure, magical. Ricky Gervais is in it. True. <laughs> it's a good Robert movie. De Niro it's just in a it. good movie. It's, yeah, Robert De Niro in one of the weirdest Robert De Niro roles you may ever see. Um, loved it. Really good. Uh, second one is uh, with a female. Well, there's a male. The male hero is a male, but the second movie I want to recommend is actually two movies. Well, almost three movies, uh, and it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Narnia. But the the third one comes out at Christmas, which is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, but yeah, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in particular, I like. I also like the second Narnia film, Prince Caspian. But the first one in particular, because I am I really love that story. You know, the actual origin story, to it. Yeah, yeah. Say. Um, So yeah, and I think that also fits with Alice in Wonderland, because it's a, an adventure. Not falling down a rabbit hole, but going through a wardrobe. Right. And you, wouldn't, another... you wouldn't want... I don't think you want... Even though some might argue that this Alice in Wonderland is a sequel of some sort to the original story. Kind of is, yeah. But it's not a sequel to a movie. So we've been introduced to her where she's, it's an origin story as well. Mm Because she doesn't know she's been there and then she has to learn everything. So you get the combination there. That's why I think this is a a clever screenplay. Yeah, yeah. Because it takes, I mean the Alice in Wonderland is a good screenplay because it takes, it, it assumes you all know about Alice in Wonderland and then. Everyone knows but her. 
Yeah. Everyone but, knows what's going on except But then her. don't make it a full-on sequel, because sometimes that's too cheesy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Make it kind of a borderline sequel, prequel difference. Like, she's been there, but she didn't finish what she needed. Yeah. She didn't finish what got started. Well, I really think that was clever writing. My recommendations are uh, Sweeney Todd, because... Well, because it's got exactly. Helen Bottom and Carter and Johnny Depp and Tim Burton, and I loved it in and, the same and way. And Human Meat Pies. Human Meat Pies and Helen Bottom and Carter is charming and funny, and I don't know why I love that movie. It's I can't tell you why. Oh, and... Um, I'm enchanted from the first moment it starts. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, briefly. He's good. <laughs> don't care about him. It's the thing. It's the vibe. It's uh, The story is awesome, too. I mean, I just loved it. And that's why, because it's the Tim Burton and, you know, just another one of those movies that I'm, like, enchanted by. And that is what I mean. And then the other one is because it just throws me back to Wizard of Oz. Well, sort of, yeah, that is the... Um... And, you know, while Dorothy is not the, like, the brave soldiery kind, she still has to be semi-brave to just go ahead and forge through this world that she's plunked down in. So... And, of course, I love it as well. I also I want to uh, make a recommendation there for Wizard of Oz if you... Most people have seen it, but if you want to see it in a new light, and we did review the Blu-ray, I can't tell you what show it was, but just have a look back in our archives. That Blu-ray is astounding. One of the because mm-hmm. I mean that movie's so old, and then you would think it was a new movie. Yeah, it looked that. awesome. Yeah, it did. Um, games and a scully stuff for this week. I've been playing more Red Dead Redemption, but I still haven't finished it because I got sidetracked on the multiplayer. When I realised that the multiplayer section of the game, which I loaded up one day off the main menu actually has this leveling system where you can level your character up and you can go online and you can have 16 player you know that thing where they walk out in the street and you uh what do you call that what cowboys used to do forget like a standoff or something <laughs> you can do that with 16 of you so you're all in a circle pointing at each other it's really funny <laughs> do you get what i'm saying like yeah 16 people i'm in just a not really into the whole killing thing so well you know you've seen no. westerns and it's yeah. wild west well I so i don't watch westerns either they kill a, a showdown that's what it's called yeah showdown so you do a 16 player showdown and how they incorporated this 16 player showdown into the game is you're just going to play a normal deathmatch game like cowboys versus cowboys right so as it starts instead of just putting you in the map and you go and get cover or whatever they put you in a big circle in the middle and say okay one of one side of the circle is one team one side of the circle is the other team whoever's remaining when you've had the shootout gets an advantage by they're not dead they can go and get get better cover because you all have to respawn because you're all dead so it's a really interesting way mm. of incorporating the shootout just for fun really it's just like and then, and it's really tense because you're all stood there and this voiceover says like you know in one minute you'll all be dead so you know get ready and then it's like ready set and you've got to it's like reactions how fast you can pull your gun out of your holster so it's just really fun so I got playing that why don't I think that sounds fun because you're not a boy that seems really la- lame to me you're not a boy <laughs> so and then and then well, another I'll grow thing. a penis by next week and this you would find fun probably because <laughs> Me and a friend um, got on the multiplayer section of uh, Red Dead Redemption, and we... Cooked some food? Built a house? No, we did um, <laughs> We did these missions called the survivalist missions, where you've got to go and pick flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, we, so we spent, like, all night doing it. Because like, so, so, like, you guys like chatting. The first one was like, 
go to such a place on the map and find these white flowers, right? So they're not just obvious. You've got to go searching for them. So I had my friend going up and down one side and me going up and down the other. And when we found one, we'd call each other over and we'd pick them up. And then it gets more involved. It's like, oh, you now you've got to find 10 of these red ones and they're in this other... Now, while that's happening, you would think, oh, it's probably easy. You just go there and find flowers. Well, no, it's like a kind of a wild goose chase because you can't see where they are. And then, occasionally, you get attacked by wild animals like cougars and wolves and coyotes. So it's like a mission in itself, survival, like you're trying to pick these flowers and you've got to watch out for the wildlife. And we did that all night. And we had a bit of a joke with each other that we're playing this cool game with guns and... Wild West. and Wild West and we're picking flowers. So. So, <laughs> and you yeah. liked it. It's just fun. So There's so many things to do in that game. You won't get through with it for a while. I mean, I'm, I'm not even... I got sidetracked completely. I haven't done any of the single player for a while now. So I've just been doing this multiplayer stuff. So I think it's value for money. Awesome. Um, and the second game I've been playing this week... Uh, I put Super Mario Galaxy 2, but I didn't get down to it. So I will be getting to that this week, and I will mention that next week. The second game I've been playing this week is Blur, which is um, Blur. B-L-U-R, for those of you who don't speak British. Yeah. Blur. Which is... That would be Blur. Bizarre. Not Blur. Blur. Which is <laughs> like the band. Even though I love your accent, sometimes it's a little which hard. Which is Bizarre Creation's uh, latest racing game. And Bizarre Creation's, if you don't know, are the people behind Pro- the Project Gotham slash what was it called on the Dreamcast hmm. they started on the Dreamcast and we had that racing game it was just amazing something Metropolis don't know Project Gotham Racing that's all I know yeah that's what they went on to do. so you always like that one yeah so Blur is I would say it's Mario Kart with real cars with real cars now I would go as far to say if you go on, online and go to Blur Activision.com slash Blur or whatever it is. They've got a little promo video, which is their um, commercial that is on television at the moment. And the tele- the commercial is awesome. It's um, all these Mario Kart looking... It's a Mario Kart looking level. And all the guys ride up in the little carts. And they're all cute. Like one's an elephant and one's like a little mushroom head. It's obviously it's kind of like Mario, but for copyright reasons are not. They all drive up to the line, and they're all looking around, ready to start. And one of them looks to the side, and there's a chain-link fence. And there's this game happening. And they all go up to the fence, and they're looking through the fence. And what Blur basically is, is Mario Kart, but with modern cars, cities, Tokyo. It just looks really cool, you know. And they're all looking through the fence going, we want to do that kind of... And then they're all like... Ah, oh, and they all go back to the carts and they kind of... So it's like a dig at Nintendo, kind of. Right. It's a really fun advert. Um, but yeah, this game is Project Gotham Racing combined with Mario Kart. So let's say Project Gotham Racing with weapons. And the weapons are fun weapons. It's like, see this weapon, you can see it on the front cover. It's like a lightning bolt. If you pick the lightning bolt up and you fire it, it places lightning down on the track in front of you. Like, so the... The people at the front of the pack get intercepted with lightning. So it's essentially Mario Kart. You drop in weapons to get better placings. Like, there's a missile that comes out of the front of your car. But when it hits somebody, it 
causes them to spin and slow down so then you can get the jump on them and go past and then they'll get a weapon and it's all about trying to get into first position it's really fun the single player is actually quite boring I've been playing through the single player a little bit but the multiplayer on Xbox Live it's also on Playstation 3 it's something else because you can always get a good game with people because it has weapons it's also a bit like Wipeout the game that I love on the PS3 because it has weapons, it's also very close all the time. Like, if you... It's 20-player races, which is, like, unheard of in a racing game. But if you drop to 20th place, you're not out. Because, you know, you can be driving and then you see a few missiles hit a few people. They slow down. You're in first all of a sudden. So it makes a very close race every single time. So you're always in the thick of it. Now, the only thing I'm worried about is... It's a big title. It's... You know, bizarre creations, everybody loves them. But every night I've been online playing. I haven't had trouble finding games. But it shows you the player count of how many people are on Xbox Live playing it. And I've never seen more than 2,000 people online. Which is, might sound like a lot, it's not really. Because this is the week of release. How many people will move off this in a few weeks? How many people will pick it up in a few weeks because they hear reviews like yours? Yeah. And I'm hoping that that's how it goes. But like when you go onto like Mod- Modern Warfare Two and look at their play account, it's like eight million people in the evening. Because if I was like a snotty fanboy kind of dude, and I hear somebody go, "Oh, it's Mario Kart but with real cars," I'd be like, "Ugh, I'm not interested in that." So they're not going to pick it up because you're. It's basically like a poo-poo on it to them. Yeah, but to me, it's not because I love Mario. Kart. I know, but so the weapons in a racing game to me makes. You know, because I've played a billion racing games and there's certain types of racing games that are cool and then there's arcade style ones like this with weapons that is a refreshing change from just racing around the track. You know, it's it's just fun. Like Wipeout, which is the futuristic sled mm-hmm. game with all the weapons. It's, it's just like that. It's all neon colours. But the tracks are based in real life. You know, it's San Francisco, it's Hackney in London, it's um, Tokyo... So, it's a bit of a mixture of all kinds of things, you know? And it plays really well on live. There's never any lag. There's a distinct... You can tell that the community of people are probably going to be the hardcore community of people that you see in there all the time. Like, it's... it's in my opinion, it's fairly niche, because racing games aren't... Well, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, maybe it'll boil down to, like, there's just a thousand people who play it, eventually. But I think you'll find a decent community. Because when you're in Modern Warfare 2 and there's 8 million people playing, that's like 7 million douchebags. <laughs> 7 million? Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> sure With Blur, having a small community who are dedicated to playing it because they love it, you find that it's less idiots. They just want to play, you know? So I'd, maybe a smaller community would be a better How thing. How much was it? Uh, 59.99. Yike. I had a $20 Amazon voucher that I Right. So... Well, yeah, it's fifty nine ninety nine. Like all games, if it's got a small community like like that, I expect to see it for thirty nine ninety nine in a couple of weeks, really. Because games that don't do so well, they usually lower the price, and then maybe they do pick up. But yeah, it is. Uh, available. But then you could have got it even cheaper. I could, but you didn't yeah. want to wait. And you? I played the beta of this. I that wasn't even on my radar that game, and I told you I got a beta invite to play. And I played the beta for three weeks, and I said to you when I'd finished playing the beta... Well, the first night I'd finished playing the beta, I'm buying that game. Because <laughs> it's my my game. If I wouldn't have played that beta, I probably would have never bought it. So it was a good move of them, them to put it out like that. So, um, and then one more game I played, 
we've partially played it for 24 hours, and that's Trauma Team, which I talked about a bit last week. Not 24 <clears> hours <throat> straight. But at clock time... And that's on the Wii? Yeah, on the Wii, and I still haven't actually finished. We're going to finish it tomorrow, probably. Um, and then, what did I do this week? But I went and got the other two Trauma games, which came out previously. So now I've got all three, so I'm probably going to have a look at all three of them. So Trauma Team, on the Wii... It's a medical... What would you say? Not All sim- kinds. It's not simulator. No, it's a crime-solving, puzzle, medical... I mean, it's like Crazy operation. anime, Japanese... It's anime, which I actually like that style of... You know, where just, she's on the screen and her hair's kind of flipped over to the side and her hand's on her face. Motion and, comic, almost. Yeah, where she kind of flickers around, like cut... Like those old, you know, where you... Yeah, I mean, yeah it's not I'm like saying. an anime, because it's not fully animated. No, it's no. like a motion comic. It's like... Stuff appears and then it gives the impression that it's moving by kind of jet- shaking stuff. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool looking. I like it. And it's really involved. Like you do surgery and then you're crime solving and then you're uh, in the middle of a terrorist plot and then you're in the middle of... Uh, I mean, that's really expansive. Every time I kind of creep in and look and listen to what's going on, I'm like, this is the same And then game? you're doing crazy stuff like real things, like somebody can't breathe, so you're like... Cut a hole in the larynx and push a ballpoint pen in there. Right. Because that's the only thing they have to blow down. You know, all this crazy, like, medical stuff that's real stuff. And then you start learning, like, medical terms. And you you think you think to yourself, I actually know what that means. Right. And it's a real thing, you know. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool game. It's, and there's um, a chick with a custom-made, gold-plated endoscopy. Is what it's called? Yeah. Machine of her very own. And, she, and she's a samurai she's warrior She's a samurai chick. endoscopy surgeon. Who lives by honor. Who has a ninja butler. Right, she does, she <laughs> does. Really awesome. And she lives, she has a code of honor that she lives by. Actually, so that makes good. the game awesome by default, that there's a ninja butler. It's all really awesome. Every time, I mean, yes. I don't sit and watch you guys play. And you play co-op, which has got different kinds of co-op as well. It's different. Some surgeries are, you have a tool and he has a tool, different tools to use and it swaps back and forth, right? Some it take turns. Like the endoscopy one, like I push right. the camera down, down the throat. And then after, like, I've done it for 20 seconds, it gives the other player the opportunity to do it. And But then I, they'll be like, okay, he needs a shot because he's dying and you have to give the shot. And, yeah. you know, it's just really, I mean, it's, it's involved. It's not, it's not complicated surgery. It's like, it's, it's like, almost like operation, like we said. Like, sure. But it gives you the, the tasks that they give you to do give you the impression you're doing a lot of stuff. Like and you, you do learn stuff. Just I, I, I just learned stuff about, like, back surgery. Like how they, like reconstruct somebody, and this is none of this in here is bull. It's all like real stuff. How they reconstruct like a spine and then put like metal rods and then screws and you know it's crazy stuff. What people, what we actually and are real stuff about solving crimes, evidence. Yeah, because one of the ladies is a crime scene investigator. She's a surgeon and a crime scene investigator, and also slightly um, mental. Like she's called the corpse whisperer. Right. She. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a. What are they called? Like a profiler. Profiler, kind yeah. of, yeah. They look at us, she looks at this crime scene and lets the corpse tell her what has happened, kind it's of. It's very strange, but cool. Very cool. So, yeah, that's Trauma Center. You can also get Trauma Team. No, oh, this one's called Trauma Team. Then there's also Trauma Center Second Opinion and Trauma Center New Blood. Um, you can get all three of them. So, that you know, this latest one, Trauma Team, is the only one with co-op. The other two are single player. Mm. So they added that for this game. But it's really cool. Cool game. Um, and that's it for me for this week. 
What's for dinner? Leftover shepherd's pie. Yeah, I said to you yesterday, let's have a vegetarian shepherd's pie. And it was it's fantastic. And you said you thought you'd eat it all by today, but I knew you wouldn't. So we're having the leftover, which I love not having to cook anything on movie day. Yep. I should have put it in the oven actually when we started this, but whatever. Do it after this when I'm mixing it. No, it'll take longer, I think. I'll I'll microwave it. An hour, right? An hour? I'm not waiting an hour. So you better speed things up, boy. Um, my other stuff is I'm going to help I asked my niece what she wanted for her wedding gift she'll be getting married in July and she said she just wants me to come with my camera because I like to take a lot of pictures and then I said would you like me to make centerpieces for your tables or anything like for your reception because I make like some paper mache wire things and she thought that was an awesome idea so I'm going to be in the next month because it's July 2nd and I'm going to have only, what, five weeks left? Four weeks left? Construct these, um, what are her, her flower is a lily. Like the calla lily. It's like a tube with the thing. It's going to be a big one of them. And then this other flower that comes out the other end. And I'm sure, I'll post pictures of it. But for someone to say that's a good enough gift for them. That you make them something for their wedding. And just come take pictures and be there for the wedding. Oh, that's a good gift. Yeah, that's awesome. So when people get all flustered like they want to spend loads of money on somebody or oh, even if you're the bride and you're pissy enough to expect people to buy you expensive shit, you know, get off it. Yeah. Have people do things for you that they're good at or that they're, they can bring to like the whole event to make it really personal and special. And she's doing all her stuff herself. She's making her own wedding dress. She's making a bridesmaid dresses herself. Um, my mom bought her a sewing machine for Christmas, so she's sewing her little heart out. <laughs> she was going to make her own cake, but decided that was just too much. So she's found a baker, a local bakery person who's willing. Because her, her, like her wedding dress is like dark, and her bridesmaid's dresses are black. And they're sort of a darker. But then her flower colors are like orange and... I forget the other color. Like a light green, kind of. Like a goth So wedding. it's a... It's not, no, it's not goth, because that's not the look of it. It's just a nice combination of, I don't know how, you'll see pictures afterwards, but. So that's what I'm saying. This is probably the season for weddings. It's springtime, it's summertime. If you have a skill or a talent you can bring to somebody's wedding, even just bring your own camera to take loads of pictures for them. Are you a DJ? If you're good at it enough to make it a good event, yeah. I would never say, I'll bake your wedding cake for you, unless we're talking about, like, a little tiny wedding, and it's not going to be a tidy wedding, because I can bake cakes and I can decorate them. But I wouldn't offer that service, because I am I would not do it justice. So don't offer services in something you're kind of sort of good at. Talking of cakes, the cakes in... Um... Looked very delicious. The one looked like a carrot cake with the white frosting. Yeah, that, oh. and the cake. But then the lady said it was a molasses and brown sugar cake. Yeah, oh they had God. cake in Alice in Wonderland, and there's a little feature out about the people who made the cakes. What were they cake called? Cake divas. Again? Cake divas. And every single cake that they showed. And they showed scones. So the like, little tiny cakes with eat me on the little tiny square. Oh, those with the fondant icing. And the, oh, I like the one with the fluffy frosting. That it just one looks really, really good to me. Yeah, the so. one where she takes it. And it's all, oh, God, it looked good. I'm sure a lot of people on the set got to eat a lot of cakes. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. And what else? Um, I'm going to make an offer to listeners of this show. Another thing that I like to do is make banners, like paper banners. They're not rubber or vinyl or anything that's going to last through any kind of rain or wind. But that's they're like six to eight feet long and about two and a half feet high. Paper banners. 
And I'll be happy to make one for one custom one for someone if you want. Huh? A movie one. It can be movie themed or game themed or whatever you want. I don't care. But I'll give away one of those. If you want to email me, surprisingly, SidTalk at SidTalk.com. In the subject line, put, I want a banner. And then, like, one sentence of what event you want this banner for. And that would have to be at least, you know, coming down the end of the road. Like... I saw somebody on Facebook wanted when you posted. I, mm-hmm. I, I saw a few people wanted them on there. Right. So somebody. So we're gonna say fr- for fall. It's a cousin of mine who it's next weekend. So I think I can get it done. There was I'm another like, one that was like, "Oh, I'm gonna post this to all my friends." Yeah. <laughs> and I do them for free. I don't do. I don't. I mean, I made loads of them, and it's it's so much fun. It would have to be an event that's going to be say the end of July or August, September, anytime past the end, middle or end of July, so that I have a lot of time to work on it. And get around to, you know, whatever. You can get some custom drawing on there. It's Like I said, it's not going to last forever. Although I have made them for people over the years who say they've rolled them up, even ten years ago, and keep them in, a, in their closet because they just loved it so much because oh, yeah. it had whatever, you know, Tommy Train or whatever it's called. Tommy, what's the name Thomas of the Tank. Thomas the Tank. I made two of those for one lady at work for her Tommy little son. Train. And she just loves it so much. She, and I've got pictures of them on my website, which is SidTalk.com in the art section. So, send me an email, sidtalk at sidtalk.com. That's C-I-D-T-A-L-K, twice. You know, sidtalk at sidtalk.com. And in the subject line, put, I want a banner. And then explain to me why. And I will pick somebody, maybe at random, maybe because I like the reason. Who knows? And if you don't want one, don't email. Yeah. And if I get zero replies, then I don't care. So, it's fine. Well, there you go. But I only see. I only ever make them for people I know, you know. So it's always a close, like a like a gift to them. Like here's a thing for your wedding. Here's a thing for your birthday party. So to do one for someone I don't know, I think would be kind of fun. And I'll pay for the shipping and everything. So nice. Yeah. Can I enter? You can. Excellent. I want to know your reason is going to have to be pretty damn good. All right. I want for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's the middle of July. That's not going to work for me. It's not the middle. It's close to the beginning of July, in fact. So your deadline is too soon. Oh, okay. And? Oh, do I have something else? Oh, yeah. Uh, I bought some new headphones. I think you mentioned this last I week. I did. I wasn't we'll feeling well. Uh, yeah, you got some new Sony I love he- them. headphones. Yeah, you know what? I, um, I've never tried noise-canceling headphones. And these are the active noise-canceling type where you have a battery in them. You know what? I don't love the noise-canceling as much as you do. In fact, the battery's already dead because I think in my bag it got slipped it on. on. Yeah. Um, that's it's, one thing I would say that's a negative about it. They put the thing right on the side, and it's a little super slidey button. And when you fold, I they, also think they it's collapse. pretty easy to leave it on when you take them off. Yeah, I and it think about collapses it. down. You know, so you stick it in the little bag that comes with it. Um, I think if they'd put it inside of the head thing... So that it doesn't get bumped or banged, and that it maybe it would have an auto, it can't have an auto off because it's not going to know that you're not listening to something. But that is my only fault I find with it. The battery it died could have already. an auto off if if it, if it, if there's nothing going to it. If it's unplugged. If it's quiet. Well, yeah, but even then, like you said, some people wear them. Yeah. Just for, and I don't love the anti noise canceling unless I am. I think the anti noise canceling is. I was, I the other night, uh, you went to bed. And I was trying to be quiet, so I took them, and I was playing Red Dead Redemption. And I was sat here in a completely quiet room, and the PCs are on, and you can always hear the fans of the PCs. 
I wasn't even listening to the game. I just put them on my ears and flicked the switch up, and I could immediately not hear the PCs. Yeah, but you hear this. Yeah, but then you put your sound on. True, true. I put my um, game on, and you could have crept up behind me and. True. You know what I mean? I, I can't. You can't hear anything. Just the game, and the game sounds really good because the when you do have the noise cancelling on, you hear the bass a lot better because of the. You know, added here's what, another thing I don't like about them. Sometimes, I think the other night. Uh, you were in bed, and I couldn't sleep, so I was going to lay on the couch, and I was watching my Bewitched on my laptop, and laying down, like, on the pillow with them on. Yeah, well, they're, they're big, that they're proper cans. Yeah, they go not, over, well, they're kind of sore. They don't, they're not huge or anything, they're but... Ca- they're, like, yeah. studio-style It's the only ones. time when I wasn't here. comfortable with them, because you can't really do anything with your head except, so... No, and for me... But at work, they're fantastic. For me, I would... There's different types, and these are the type that kind of fits on your... Like, they don't, they fit on your ears, and then there's types where your ears fit inside the cups. For me, I'd have to have the ones that they fit inside the cups, because I wore yours for, like, three hours playing a game, and my ears were hurting, so... But they are... It's a cool technology. And I can imagine when you're on an airplane... Oh, that'd be awesome. ...and everything's vibrating, and you can hear the engine, that they really help. Well, Cancel I can say up. from experience, because at my job... Like I said last week, I think there's so much pounding from the equipment and so much vibration going through the cement floor that you're feeling it, and somehow that creeps up to hearing it as well to I'm your body. I'm thinking on a plane. You can't cancel it out. You could put them on, flick that switch up, and put like your music on. But you won't on hear a, the people. That's for sure. On a very low low volume, the music because it means you don't have to listen to your music loud, as loud as you normally do because it kind of creates like a dampening, like you. I found that I didn't have to turn it up as much as I normally would. So it's a cool idea. Mm. And uh, they, don't, they don't cost very much. $50? Mm, to me, that's a lot. But I, I, don't th- I think that's pretty reasonable. Because the other ones I wore for the last three years were 19 But then when I went and looked on like, Newegg, because I was like, well, I'd like a better, something like that myself. All the ones that I like with the what your ears fit in, the, there's Bose ones, and they're all $300 yeah. a pair, you know. Um, Might be worth it, though, if you're going to wear them a lot. I'm, yeah, because that was the thing. I was like, well, I could get some of these, but if they hurt, why? Like, yeah, yeah. So I, I would like one. And then I was thinking, well, if I want them for Xbox, I also want ones with a microphone if I can. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you, if they make those. So anyway, yeah, they're cool. Um, Noise-canceling headphones. Take one battery. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening to After the Show number 124 um, on Sunday, May the 23rd. <laughs> Maybe the 30th. Sunday, May the 30th. Um, And I want to remind you about our website, say scully.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube, or anywhere on the internet, pretty much. Um, You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes Music Store, The Zune, Marketplace, or just go to ascully.com, click on the word podcast, listen to it on the page, or subscribe through any podcatcher without our handy RSS feed. Um... And that's about it for this week. Uh, you can email me at ascoli.ascoli.com. If you, can, if you want to email Sid Talk, this is one rare off thing. <laughs> you can email her at sidtalk at sidtalk.com, but only if you're talking about banners. Nothing I else. want a banner. Um, and uh, I need a sentence of why. Not just, I want a banner and then expect me to send you a freaking banner. I want she wants a, a sentence. Story. I yep. want a story. You yep. can write me a paragraph. You can write me a book. I don't care. But at least a sentence. And I just My went, mom's birthday is August the 1st. That's enough. <laughs> and I want to say um, 
Stay classy, Sunday, May the 23rd. <laughs> and maybe the 23rd. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. Everything around you can't mold you into what they want you to be. So think for yourself or someone will do it for you. <laughs>